You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into the latest episode of Locked On Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, your host, Evan Sattery, joined by Stephen Reed of Stampede Blue. As we're to recap OTAs, it's, it was about a two-week-long process for the Colts. They had a little truncated OTA portion this year due to COVID-19, and really just the Player Association kind of fighting back a little bit. We wanted to get more freedom for their players in the offseason, especially what's happened in the last calendar year. The Colts and their players decided upon a two-week-long minicamp sort of OTAs, whatever you want to call it there. We're going to call it OTAs. This is pretty much their OTA portion because they're not going to be on the field again together for another eight straight weeks until they're in Grand Park in Westfield, Indiana at the end of July for the start of training camp. A really important time for the Colts to really get that team chemistry going, to install anything new that they want to. But, Stephen, you're joining us tonight to talk through OTAs and the biggest takeaways. How are you doing tonight on this Friday night? Hey, Evan, I'm doing well tonight. Yeah, just a, you know, fun, fun day and, you know, Colts uh, wrapping up OTA. So it's nice to, to come on and, and have a little chat about it. Yeah, honestly, Stephen, this is probably the last time we're going to be talking about like on-field Colts action for eight weeks. But once we get to that eight-week mark and the Colts are on the field, we're going to be getting about six to seven straight months of Colts talk with on-field action. So that's going to be a lot of fun here. We're going to get you guys through the dead period here on Locked on Colts throughout that time. But Let's hit on the biggest story of OTAs, and that was quite easily Carson Wentz and his adjustments to the Annapolis Colts, his first real on-field action with the Colts. He missed the first two days of OTAs a couple weeks ago due to an illness, but he was out, out there, I think, for the last 10 or so days, and rave reviews all around from the local media that were in attendance. Frank Wright called him a physical specimen for the quarterback position, thinks he's adjusting very well. Players such as Michael Pittman Jr., Naheem Hines, and others who spoke to the media said Carson Wentz's leadership really stood out to them, as well as his arm talent. It seems like everything we've heard out of West 56th Street over the last couple weeks, Stephen, this could not have gone any better for Carson Wentz. And I should say also, this is with no pads, no helmets on, really just when the offense versus defense really never went against each other. It was mostly just against air. So Wentz is going to look good in these situations, but just from the camaraderie standpoint, the leadership standpoint, and just the arm talent, comparing to guys like Bill Burrs and Jacoby Brissett in the past, players raving about him, the coaches raving about him, really a great start for Carson Wentz and Indy. Yeah, really, it, it honestly probably couldn't have gone much better for him, uh, at least the first two weeks. Like you mentioned before, it's not in pads or anything like that. You've got shell, you don't even have shells on, so like you're just – you don't have helmets. It's all just shorts, T-shirts, um, everything like that. But it's pretty clear from everything that's been reported, everything that you see, uh, Carson Wentz just feels a lot more comfortable here in Indianapolis than, I, honestly, maybe he ever did in Philadelphia. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of weapons. You're seeing him start to build that chemistry with the with the players. If you were able to to listen to. His press conference uh, that he had, he talked about you know getting throwing sessions together with with wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, he they expect to do at least two more before um, two after now after these OTAs, um, two more before training camp in in July. So 
they're going to try to get together and and work it and everything that that we've seen and everything that's been said and of course this is slightly biased because it's it's Colts and you want to you pump up your guy um but everything's been positive so far from every wide receiver you've talked to Michael Pittman Jr. is saying he doesn't understand what they're talking about in Philadelphia um in terms of his leadership you know you see the clear arm talent uh, that Carson Wentz has and, and the ability just to bomb the ball and, and get the ball in places that, quite honestly, Philip Rivers just couldn't because he just didn't have that arm strength. Um, same thing, Jacoby Brissett just didn't have the accuracy. Um, and so I'm really excited about Carson Wentz, and I think he's really excited to be here, and that's pretty clear. And like just his demeanor and his personality is starting to come through to where you can tell he just feels relaxed and he feels comfortable. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing I took away from it as well, Stephen. Like, when Wentz spoke at the end of OTAs to the local media, and it's from what we heard from around the scenes from guys like Frank Reich and MPJ, for example, Carson Wentz seems like he's on a mission to prove that doubters were wrong from Philadelphia. And it really just seems like a guy who really wanted to get a fresh start and is taking the bull by the horns here in Indianapolis, taking on a leadership role. Naeem Hines mentioned to the media that he's very personable. He's someone who – is really starting to get to know the players on a personal level, not just more so like a, hey, how's your day going so far? It's more like, hey, like, how's your wife and kids doing? How's your sister? Like, how, like the, the stuff that I think is going to get him more so bonding with these guys closer together. We've already heard that he's been working out with these guys before OTAs even started. We know about the clips with T.Y. Hilton, Zach Paschal, Michael Pittman Jr., and Desmond Patman in California, and also Paris Campbell, who you mentioned he threw with a couple times before OTAs even started. So he's worked with all the wider receivers before OTAs even began. And this is just someone, even Wentz mentioned that, and you alluded to it as well, Stephen, that he's going to be throwing up the wide receivers and tight ends at multiple times over the next eight weeks before they get back together in Westville for training camp at Grant Park. But it really just seems like to me, Stephen, like Carson Wentz is on a mission this year, and he's out to prove the haters wrong, so to say. Like, a motivated Carson Wentz is someone that I think could really be a top 12, top 10 quarterback. And if that happens, and he seems like he's fully immersed himself in the Colts culture. He seems like a perfect fit so far. He doesn't really have to be like Superman out there. He can just be himself and fall in line with what's in place already. And you have Frank Reich, of course, the guy he's trusted most throughout his career. This seems like to me just a perfect fit all around. And from what we've heard so far out of OTAs and heading into training camp, Wentz is a guy who just seems like on a mission here to prove everyone wrong. Yeah, from everything we've heard, it's you're right. It, it just seems like that's what he wants to do, is he wants to just kind of show everybody in Philadelphia and specifically Howie Roseman and kind of the Philly media um, that every storyline that they manufactured about him was false and that he really can be that leader, that he can take control and he's not a, a locker room issue like what it sounds like the the Philly media decided they wanted to to try to drum up um, because they needed a storyline that was juicy and and that's a that's a pretty obvious one um, that you can never really get you know a uh, a positive or negative thing from the locker room because people are always going to try to speak glowingly of their players and so I I feel like Carson Wentz is definitely in a situation where. Like you said, he feels more comfortable. He feels comfortable with the system. He feels comfortable with these guys. And I think what you said is really important, that he's not looking at 
this just from a football perspective, but he's looking at it as a life perspective and trying to get to know these people and not just these players. And so I think that makes a, a huge difference in terms of the way that he relates to people. And I think you are going to see a very different Carson Wentz than what you saw last year, um, partly because the talent that the Colts have on their roster is just astronomically better than what the Eagles have. And you know, partly because Carson Wentz is going to be incredibly motivated to show that the Eagles made a poor decision in getting rid of him and choosing Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz. Last thing on Wentz here before diving into some other topics around the biggest storylines of the Colts OTA sessions that just wrapped up this week. From what I saw just on the photos that the Colts released on Colts.com or just the B-roll I saw from NFL Network or the local news like WTHR and stuff like that, they're out of practice for the couple sessions they saw. A lot of things I saw Wentz work on just in basic videos, and I don't want to take too much away from these, but it just seems like stuff we never saw Philip Rivers work on. A lot of RPO action, a lot of rollouts, a lot of bootlegs. We mentioned this before on the podcast, and once the Wentz trade happened, and really diving into Wentz over the last couple months since the trade actually happened. But I really think, honestly, we're going to see a completely different playbook than what we've seen the last couple of years with Jacoby Brissett and Philip Rivers. It's going to look more so like what we saw in 2018 with Andrew Luck and really pretty much like a carbon copy of the 2017 Eagles offense where they ran the most RPOs in the NFL. It seems like to me, Stevens, just based off what I was able to see, we're going to be seeing a lot of that same stuff we saw in 2017 when Wentz and Reich created that magic in 2017 where he was going to be the MVP before he tore his ACL late in the season. What's your thoughts on them going sort of back to that 2017 Wentz, 2018 Andrew Luck type of offense where they're very explosive during those years? Yeah, and that's exactly – it's funny because I was watching the, the highlights that they had of, of the OTAs and everything like that and the, the Colts put out. And, again, their, their social media team over there at West, West 56th Street is just phenomenal um, in terms of the content that they produce for, for us as fans. Um, one of my favorite parts about that was some of Carson Wentz's off-platform throws and specifically on rollouts where he's throwing from a, just a strange arm angle and he's you know on the move, not really getting an opportunity to set his feet, but you still see that ball just fly off his hand. Um, I, I just I feel like Carson Wentz opens up this playbook so much more to what Frank Reich really wants to do. And one of the cool things with Frank Reich is that he doesn't force players to fit his system. He develops his system around his players. And so you're going to see a very different playbook from what they had with Phillip Rivers to what you're going to see with Carson Wentz. Um, you, you saw a very different playbook with Jacoby Brissett than, than what you saw with Phillip Rivers. You saw a very different playbook with Andrew Luck uh, than what you saw with Jacoby Brissett or Phillip Rivers. So I, I think you're probably going to see much more of that Andrew Luck style open offense. And I, I think the Colts are going to be, and not only that is, is you're going to see that Andrew Luck style open offense with a guy that has experience in that offense. And so Andrew Luck, he was, he was super smart, but he was still coming off a major injury. He was trying to get back into the fold. That was the, his last, last year of his career, sadly. Um, but he was trying to learn a new offense and, and do all this stuff. Carson Wentz has been in this offense before, so he knows a lot of it. And, and yeah, there's a lot of verbiage changes that he has got to get used to. But for the most part, he's going to be – I think he's probably going to be okay in this, and he's going to pick it up pretty quickly. 
Uh, it sounds like he's a hard worker. He's trying to get everybody involved and try to work on routes with all of his wide receivers. So I would feel like – I feel very confident this is going to be a very productive year for Carson Wentz, and then it's going to look a lot more like the Andrew Luck offense where you see a little bit more of the RPOs because you want to get him in space because once you get a quarterback in space uh, you with the rollouts, with the RPOs, things like that, you're able to – stretch the defense and if you can stretch the defense a little bit further that opens up bigger holes for you to throw into um it's going to give your wide receivers a little bit more space to run and so it opens up so much more for the Colts offense and I just feel like Carson Wentz is going to be a perfect fit for this just like he was in 2017. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball's in full swing you're check out all the action over bet online. You also want to track where Julio Jones might go? Bet online has odds over on that as well. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and our UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online, your laptop or mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sell the signs anymore. It's your chance to get in the game as teams prepare for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use mobile device right now to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus to your first deposit. Again, it's 50% off your first deposit with BetOnline with the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Again, 50% off on your first deposit bet online with the promo code LOCKEDON, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's go to the defense now, Stephen. A couple storylines over on that side of the ball. And let's start off with our first-round pick, which is Quiddy Pay, number 21 overall. We, As you guys, if you have not had a chance to, go listen to Stephen and I live reaction right after the pick happened. Probably the most exciting over here our voices in that point because it was just raw emotion reaction to the guy we've been hyping up as a dream scenario for the Colts leading up to the draft for the past few months, and they got him. And from what I was able to gather, just off re- like reading through everything and watching the, the B-roll and the camera rolls and stuff like that the Colts released, it seems like the Colts kind of eased Quiddy Pay into their rotation throughout OTAs. You had Al-Quiddy Muhammad taking a lot of those opposite snaps from Taekwon Lewis. We're going to hit on here in just a minute who seems pretty much entrenched in that Zaniko Autry role in 2021. But we saw a lot of Al-Kadi Muhammad in that starting lineup for the first week or so. And then from there, though, we heard a lot about Quiddy Pay taking the starting reps in the Justin Houston role over al Muhammad, over Ben Banigou, over Isaac Rochelle and others, where it's pretty much at this point, even through OTAs, where it wasn't even pads or shells on, that Quiddy Pay made such an impression that he's already moved his way up the ladder, Stephen, proving himself as a rookie through, through a truncated OTA in about a two-and-a-half-week span where he went from second or third string to a starting role in about 10 days. So that kind of shows you how impressed the Colts are already with their first-round pick in Quiddipet. Yeah, and it's one of the things that I, I think that Chris Ballard looks for in terms of just his players as a whole is he's looking for those self-motivated players, and that's what builds a culture because that's what allows them to feel confident to – instead of having 13 days of OTA, say, all right, you know, we're going to have eight days. We're just going to compact it into two weeks and then just come back in two months um, and be ready. And you have confidence that your guys are going to be ready because they're these self-motivated style of players. That's exactly what Quiddy Pay is. Uh, in his press conference, he talked about after he got drafted, once he got the iPad with the playbook, he started going into it and he talked about, how he's been taking notes from Coach Baker. And over the next two months, 
or the next eight weeks or so until training camp, one of the one of the beat reporters asked him what he's going to do during that time. And one, he was super refreshed that now his job is just football and he can just concentrate on that. But his first answer after that was he's going to dive into the playbook so then he can come in and not miss a beat so he doesn't have that learning curve. And that's exactly what Chris Ballard has talked about this entire time in terms of the types of players that he wants. Guys that are self-motivated, that guys that you don't have to worry about and it's going to do the work. And could he pay – it's something, I mean, shoot, when you listen to our, the podcast right after the pick happened, um, it was literally during the end of the end of first round. And you, you heard us just gush about how excited we were. Listen to any of our podcasts leading up to the draft. And I've said multiple times, Quinny Pay, if he's there, that's one of like a couple players, him or Christian Derisaw, that they are not trading out for. And turns out they were both there. So that was a blessing in disguise, but you know, or not a blessing in disguise, but just a blessing um, that they both were there. And so he's that type of player where you don't have to worry about him. And it's very clear that the Colts are very confident that he's going to come in and step in right away. And he's already taken that right defensive end position and he's been a Colt for like a month maybe he's eight practices that's that's how long maybe less and it makes sense that they're going to try to push him into that role because he's a first round pick he's got all the tools he's arguably the best defensive end in this draft class and he's a perfect fit for this scheme so I I think he's taken it by the horns and I think that he is just the again just the perfect fit in terms of the player and the character uh, for this team one last point here on Quiddy Pay for Dabber to the Taekwon Lewis. I just keep thinking back to I looking at the defensive rookie of the year odds again on DraftKings as you were speaking there, Stephen. Pay is fifth right now in the odds behind a couple of linebackers, Jalen Phillips as well out of Miami. But then I just think just the way that Pay impressed in OTAs, impressed in rookie minicamp, just immersing himself in the playbook and the culture. He's been in Brian Baker, the defensive line coach's ear this entire time in Indianapolis. I imagine he's probably, probably going to be in Indianapolis throughout this entire two-month break off as he immersed himself in the community. I think Pay is someone to me, like, the more we hear about him, the more we see him talk, he's just a no-nonsense type of guy. Reminds me a lot of Darius Leonard in 2018, honestly, Stephen, just the way he carries himself. Maybe not as energized as Leonard. Like, he's the voice of the locker room. He's the heart and soul of this team on the defense side of the ball with just his energy that oozes out of him. But when you see Quiddy Pay's no-nonsense attitude, he just seems like a guy to me that from day one, I know many, some have pushed back that he could be a little bit of an adjustment period in the NFL, but playing next to DeForest Buckner, playing next to Darius Slender on the defensive side of the ball, Stephen, I just have a really good feeling. Maybe it's just a bit of a hunch on my end here, but I have a really good feeling that Quiddy Pay, week one against Seattle and beyond, is going to be a legitimate impact defensive end in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. He's not going to get double teamed with DeForest Buckner there, um, or, or he's not going to get double teamed quite as much, or if he does, it's going to be with a chip with the tight end or a running back. And quite honestly, I don't see teams doubling him, especially in week one, um, just because that's not what you do uh, to rookies unless they're like a Miles Garrett or a Chase Young. Then those guys you double team with, with two offensive linemen over there. Um, but teams are going to have to shift their protection schemes to 
cover both DeForest Buckner and Quiddy Pay here soon. And it's going to be kind of a mess for teams to try to figure out what to do. And it's going to be really interesting to see what Quiddy Pay brings from the jump because, again, he's got that agility. He's got that speed to power. And it's he's going to be a handful and especially going to be a handful if teams are going to have to single uh, single block him. Uh, if, if they're going to leave that right tackle on him only um, or just leave that left tackle on him only, that's he's, he's going to play really, really well next to DeForest Buckner because Buckner, like, like you said, Buckner is going to draw that double team. And so Pay is going to have an opportunity and I think he's going to take the most, make the most of it because like Chris Ballard said in one of his press conferences or it may be, no, it was with the, uh, with Zach Kiefer and uh, Stephen Holder on the athletic on, on their podcast, um, Chris Ballard made the comment that Quiddy pay didn't have the sack numbers, not because he couldn't get to the quarterback, but because the offenses in college are programmed to get the ball out in is so fast um, that it is one read, throw it. And then that's it. And so, and they're running a play every 25 seconds. So they're trying to hurry up, trying to get it going. So college, a lot of times these pass rushers don't necessarily translate. And so you try to develop them. Quiddy Pay's got the tools and he's got the motivation. He's got the work ethic. Um, he's going to be in, in Baker's ear, uh, the Brian Baker's ear all off season, trying to get better, trying to come in from day one and be a force and i think he's got the makeup he's got the physical tools and he's got the mindset to do that let's go to taekwon lewis now steven who from day one of otas was implanted into that Danico autry role at the strong side defensive end obviously quitty pay now at this point is, is in the justin houston role opposite him but taekwon from day one of otas really had that role in lockdown and it seemed like to me honestly like we told us before in the podcast where Taekwon had a really good year last year in limited snaps. And if you extrapolate his numbers over a Danico Autry type of snap production, pretty much identical numbers to what Autry put up in 2020 and almost the exact same PFF grade as well. I think the Colts are betting big on Taekwon Lewis this year, entering into his age 26 season where he's entering his prime now. It's it's a contract year for Taekwon Lewis and playing next to Forrest Buckner. He did flash a little bit last year and now add Quiddy pay to the mix. This is a player to me I think could really put up some Danico Autry-esque numbers in that exact same role. And the Colts really seem confident in that, really having that starting role on lockdown since the beginning of OTAs. Yeah, and I think uh, numbers are, if, if you extrapolate it out and compare it to Danico Autry, he was either the same or better um, than Autry was last year. And as a reminder, like Danico Autry was so up and down last year that it's really hard to compare. Um, so I was really excited to see Taekwon Lewis make that, that next jump. I remember, you know, preseason, you and I talked about the potential of Taekwon Lewis being a cut candidate, a surprise cut candidate. So I'm really happy to see that he put in the work this offseason. I'm hoping that Ben Banigou puts in that work this offseason, put in that work this offseason to get better and make that Taekwon Lewis style jump. But uh, Taekwon Lewis, it seems like he's going to be given every, every opportunity to be that left defensive end. And that's a really, really good spot for him. And so hopefully he's able to, to make the most of that opportunity. And everything we've seen it, or everything we've heard 
Uh, it sounds like he's doing what they want and he's making the, making that progress that they want and should be that starting left defensive end there for the Colts week one. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Tyquan Lewis in the starting role. Just going over the start defensive line projection for the Colts again, Quiddy Pay, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, and Tyquan Lewis. And we'll hit on some guys later on the show. And one right now we're going to hit on who I think is a very interesting guy, almost in the same role that Tyquan Lewis was last year, Stephen Orr, where I think he could be a surprise cut candidate at the end of training camp. And I don't know if you had a chance to listen to Zach Keeper and Stephen Holler on the 1% Better podcast they put out earlier this week, but they were not impressed by Ben Banigou in OTAs and especially in his media session where he seemed to kind of just like nonchalantly say, Oh, I didn't play much last year, whatever. Like kind of just that, that kind of attitude about it. And Zach mentioned a really good point in hitting the podcast and talking to Steven, like Taekwon Lewis had the opposite attitude of that last year. He was like, yeah, I just like, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to put the improvements in. I'm ready to take the, the bull by the horn, so to say. And Banigou was just so nonchalant about it, according to what Zach said. And, it kind of rubbed Kiefer the wrong way there. And I went and had a chance to listen to it. I would watch it myself on the Colts YouTube page. And I kind of agree with Zach where it kind of seems like Ben Banigou. I mean, I don't want to read too much into the tea leaves there because I'm not, in the, I'm not in the building. I'm not in the facility. I'm not around Ben Banigou 24-7. But it seems like to me like maybe he's not taking the right approach to this. And I didn't see like from the pictures and the videos that we saw the Colts release, like Al-Qadim Muhammad, Isaac Rochelle, were both taking reps above Ben Banigou in OTAs. And Kamoko Ture is obviously nursing his ankle injury still, and he'll get more reps once he's back. D- Dio Dangbo, the same thing once he's back late in the season with his Achilles injury. This could be a player to me, Stephen. If Ben Banigou is not coming to training camp, like ready to go, like ready to prove himself, it just seems like for me from the OTAs, he did not impress out there, and that's not a good sign for him. No, it's it's really not a good sign. Um, I Again, I, I referenced that podcast earlier. Yeah, I listened to that, and I – I had actually listened to the Ben Banigou press conference um, prior to listening to the the podcast. And I had the same takeaway where I'm like, that's not the way you should approach these questions. Um, Maybe you're just, you know, your agent's giving you bad advice in terms of how you need to answer these questions. Cause it's better if you just, you're, you're open and honest about it and not try to act like it didn't exist. Um, and that's kind of what it sounded like he was trying to act like, um, that, oh, well, last season just didn't happen. Um, or, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Like, talk about it. Like you didn't, you were a healthy scratch for like eight games Say, yeah, you know what, that really ticked me off and I need to be better. And so I've worked this entire off season to make sure that that doesn't happen again. That's the appropriate response. And to say, oh, it's, it's in the past, not going to talk about it. Like, that's what, you know, happens when you've done something bad that you don't want to talk about publicly in the past. Like, it, it just, it's such a backwards way to think about addressing, like, a really serious um, concern for, for these beat writers, for, for fans, for even the team. Um, and so... It, it's a little disheartening because again, Banicu's got a lot of talent um, and it just, and he works hard. He's, he's really smart. Um, so I just don't understand why that was the way he went about that response um, to, and again, I didn't see a lot of, I mean, I didn't get to see any training camp myself personally, um, you know, from, you know, first person, I, I didn't get to see it. You know, all, all we've been able to do is read reports 
and see the little snippets that we get from the Colts. And um, if he's really like that third, fourth defensive end at that on that position, then he could be a surprise cut candidate. He could be a trade candidate. Um, you know, we mentioned that with the the potential for a Julio Jones thing. I just feel like I, I just feel like he needs to have a better a a better way of addressing this issue. Um, and it just seems like he's soured on the Colts. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not, um, but it just it just seems like he's not invested um, because to me, if he's invested in this, then he's going to go and say, you know, I screwed up, you know, I need to work harder. I need to show them. I need to practice better. I, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of me things like I need to do this. I wasn't good enough. So I worked hard. Um, and that's what, that's his approach he should take. Um, and so if, his advice that he's gotten from his representation is that he needs to just not talk about it. I think that's poor advice. Uh, I think he'd be better off just addressing it similar to how Taekwon Lewis addressed it last year and just kind of go at it straight on and say, look, yep, that was me. I, I wasn't good enough. I've been working hard and I'm going to be better. And my hope is I get that opportunity and I can show them um, that I deserve this, this spot. And so that that's kind of where I'm at with with Ben Vanager right now. I really hope it works out because he's a good player, um, but it just it just seems like there's a disconnect, and I I don't know why. Yeah, he seems like he's on the trajectory right now, Stephen. Where it could be April of 2022, and Quincy Wilson was the same fate. Like he, he could be the next guy in line there, where he could be traded for a sixth or seventh round pick in next year's draft if all doesn't go well. Or you could be the next Deion Kane where he's cut midseason, just him not producing and not doing well in practice. And I'm looking at the depth right now on the defensive line for defensive ends right now, Steven. Quiddy Pay, Taekwon Lewis, Kamoko Ture, Alkani Muhammad, Isaac Rochelle, Ben Banigou, and then Dio Odengbo. I think if he doesn't if he does not do anything before Dio gets back in November, he could be a guy Deion Kane was a couple years ago, Steven, where if he doesn't produce and he's not getting production on the practice field or in game days, or if he's not dressing. If Dio's back, like, there's no need to keep seven defensive ends in the roster at that point. Like, he's got to get together here in the next three or four months, or he's going to be gone midseason. Yeah, uh, honestly, like, the defensive line is is arguably the deepest position on the Colts roster. And so if he's not up to snuff, then he's not going to make it. Um, and especially if, if he's not getting any kind of significant snaps once Dio gets back. Because what once Dayo Odengbo gets back, Ben the Chris Ballard just gushes. Everybody who's talked to Chris Ballard and and heard him talk about Dayo, um, it just seems like that's that's the guy. That's his Quentin Nelson of this class. The guy that he just can't stop gushing over about how great of a player he is. And so if Banigou can't get significant snaps and make an impact prior to Deo coming back, then he's going to have a really hard time being active again. And for a guy that's entering his third year, and Chris Ballard has said before, it takes pass rushers sometimes a little bit longer to develop, especially a pass rusher like Ben Vanigou, who is very intelligent, but came from a program at TCU that didn't have him really focus on 
you know, having any of those pass rush, those traditional pass rushing moves. And so he really has kind of started from scratch and in a lot of ways as a, as a defensive end, he's going to be in a really tough spot if he doesn't take that leap this off season and really step up his game and seize control of at the very least a situational backup pass rusher. Uh, because once Deo gets back, Deo's going to play. Um, even if it's limited snaps, Deo is going to take that, that active roster spot. Um, and so Banigou has got to hope that he, he shows out um, prior to that. Cause otherwise, yeah, he's, he's very likely a, potential cut candidate midseason or you know a possible trade candidate for like you said a six round pick i still think the colts would might be better off trading you know if they are going to be in this julio jones race which you keep hearing the colts mentioned by guys that are that are reputable um that the colts are interested then he makes a lot of sense because atlanta needs a pass rusher and the Banigou has all the tools and he really just, I mean, he kind of needs a fresh start. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They have nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor as well. There's something for everyone over on Built Bar. They have 17 grams of protein, all within 130 calories and only four grams of sugar. A great tasting snack that tells you throughout the day while keeping you healthy as well. If you want to order anything you like, there's so many great flavors like raspberry, mint brownie, really anything Built Bar can really conjure up for you. It's an amazing tasting protein bar. It tastes nothing like a protein bar. It's like a candy bar, but it's so healthy for you. It makes you think that you're really on the right track. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order of Built Bars. Again, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's move on here to the last couple topics here of the show, Stephen, and one to me, the last one, defensive side of the ball, before we go over to the offensive side, where a couple of rookies are standing out a little bit throughout OTAs, the cornerback two spot, which it seems like to me, uh, we did not hear confirmation from any of the beat reporters out there because they only saw one or two passes in person. But based off of what we saw on Colts.com with media availabilities or photo galleries, I did not see Xavier Rhodes out there throughout OTAs, and he might just be training by himself or maybe something happened in the offseason where I had to get a cleanup surgery or something like that. But I did not see Xavier Rhodes out there. So obviously a lot of Kenny Moore, but from what I heard from Kevin Bowen, Zach Kiefer and others, it seems like there really is a true split down the middle right now of snaps between TJ Carey and Rocky Sen with a little bit of Marvell Tell sprinkled after his opt out last year due to COVID-19. It seems like to me, Stephen, heading into training camp in, in Grand Park at Westfield, Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore are locked into those starting spots, but really between those three guys, Carey, Tell and Yassin, it's going to be a true battle for that starting spot. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's going to be interesting because, like you mentioned, um, Xavier Rhodes was not out there um, at any of the open uh, media sessions um, this year. And and so the the beat reporters didn't really get an opportunity to see him at all. So you assume that he's going to step in as that wide receiver one. Um, that wide receiver two, though, that's up for grabs. And TJ Carey has – shown that he's more than capable um, given the opportunity. And so he could take it. Rocky Yassin, they're expecting him to make that, that jump. And Chris Ballard pointed out that um, I think it was, I think it was Chris Ballard that pointed out that, yeah, you know, he, he actually improved and it wasn't as bad 
um, last year um, as it had been as it had been perceived um, by some people. Like he, he had played pretty well um, at the end of last year, even though he had had some hiccups. Um, now again, he got benched for for TJ Carey, so I don't know about all that. I, it might not have been Ballard who said that. It might not. I forget who said it. Um, but the point is, he's worked really hard this offseason. Again, this goes with what we talked about earlier with Quiddy Pay is you get guys that are self-motivated that really want to make themselves better. Rocky is seen as that type of player. And so I have every every confidence that he's going to work hard this offseason and try to make himself a, a better cornerback. And He's got the ability. He's got the talent. He's got the raw athletic traits to be able to do that. Um, he just really has to to figure out, I think, from a fundamental standpoint, uh, because his biggest issue has been his hands um, and being a little bit grabby. And if he can figure out how to keep his feet, um, rather how to use his feet better and use his hands less, then I think he'll be in a really solid situation there to take over that cornerback two spot. Um, but having Marvell tell come back and have him come up and step up like he has, I think the Colts feel really confident no matter what happens uh, that they're going to be able to have a pretty solid cornerback room or pretty solid defensive back room. And with, with Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore at your two at the top, and then having one of TJ Carey, Brock Yassine, or Marvell Tell come back and, and take over that third role. I, I feel like the Colts are pretty confident that they've got a, a good group back there. And not to mention, again, the defensive line makes the cornerbacks play easier um, or makes the quarterbacks be able to relax a little bit, I guess. It is, is may, maybe it's a bad way to put that, but the more pressure you can get, uh, the easier a job it is for the corners. And having a legit pass rusher in Quiddy Pay come in, the, the Colts are going to, the corners are going to have a, a better year, I think, um, with that situation. So I feel pretty confident in in what they've got and, and what Chris Ballard has put together there on the defensive side of the ball. Last point here on the show, Stephen, appreciate the time as always going over the OTA news throughout these last couple weeks for the Annapolis Colts. But closing it out here with two offensive rookies who kind of turn heads a little bit throughout OTAs, First one we'll talk about here before is Kylan Granson, the SMU tight end, the fourth round pick for the Colts. And from what I saw off the photo galleries and from what we heard from beat reporters on scene there, Granson was getting some starting reps. He was a guy in that Trey Burton role, kind of switching in and out with Doyle and Cox and being that move tight end, whether it be in the slot or in line. It seems like to me, Stephen, like he's going to be a guy who plays day one in this offense. And Frank Reich loves Kylan Granson from what we saw off the With the Next Pick series. And they need someone to fill that Trey Burton role. Granson seems like to me someone who's going to be immediate playing time and someone who could actually get immediate production from a guy with Carson Wentz who loves using his tight ends. Yeah, and, and it's a, a role that they've talked about that they've needed for a while is that that move tight end, that F tight end. And so uh, Granson really is the perfect player for that. He's just a slightly shorter version of, of Trey Burton, I think. Uh, he, he really makes a lot of sense. Um, for what what the Colts want and how they kind of intend to make it work uh, for the tight ends because he's, he just gives them that playmaking ability um, that I think is going to really excel in this offense. And 
with Carson Wentz being able to, it, it's you know, yet to be seen whether he'll be a significant upgrade over Philip Dorsett in terms of targeting tight ends. But his best year in the NFL was when you know Reich was the the OC and their offense was based on using tight ends. So I'd feel pretty confident that Kylie Granson's going to get a lot of play and that he's going to have every opportunity to really excel in this offense. And he's the type of player that could really surprise some people. Totally agree with you there. And just real quickly on Grants before we dive into our last point here on a rookie making a big impression in OTA. So it could be in line to kind of steal a roster spot away. When you look around the NFL with guys who are drafted at tight end, obviously Kyle Pitts is the exception. He's going to be putting up maybe Julio Jones-esque numbers in year one, especially with Julio now being gone out of Atlanta. He's going to be getting a lot of that target share that he's going to be leaving with Julio. But Pat Fryer moves in Pittsburgh. He's going to be dealing with, with a couple tight ends there, Eric Ebron, Vance McDonald. You also have Tommy Tremble in Carolina. You have others around the NFL who kind of had guys ahead of them a little bit in their roles. And I think it's not a bold prediction, so to say, unless like some people are in the NFL are paying attention up to the Colts right now, where I think Kylan Granson could be like the second most productive in the NFL among rookies next year behind Kyle Pitts. Like it seemed like to me amongst like the fits and amongst the, st- the playing time projections outside of Kyle Pitts, I feel like Kylan Granson could be like a top tier, top tier rookie tight end in 2021. Yeah. Well, it also doesn't help that the tight end class as a whole um, this past year was pretty down. Um, and so that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um, and so, yeah, it, outside of Kyle Pitts, I think that it makes a lot of sense uh, for them to, for him to potentially be that number two tight end. Cause I mean, again, Kyle, Kyle Pitts is going to, put up just crazy, crazy numbers um, there in Atlanta, especially if Julio is um, out. And so it's one of those things that you've – he's going to get that opportunity, and he really is in an offense that wants to use that, that F tight end. So you're looking at, like, Eric Ebron-style numbers um, back when he had a really good season with the Colts. Um, so that's kind of, that's like your focus on what he is, except for he's got more reliable hands and he's more dynamic in terms of in the open field. If he was just a little bit taller, um, and a little bit bigger, uh, he probably would be in that first, second round range. Um, but he's not. And so the Colts are going to take advantage and, and use what he does well, um, which is, you know, run routes, catch the ball, and, and, and get open. Uh, get open, catch the ball, get a bunch of yards after the catch. And I think he's going to really get an opportunity to feast this year, especially with teams focusing more on Michael Pittman Jr. And then if Paris Campbell can come back and really is full strength, they're not going to be able to cover uh, – they're not going to be able to bracket a guy like Kylan Granson uh, with extra coverage. He's either going to get a linebacker on him that's too slow is going to get a safety on him that's not big enough. And so either way, he's going to be able to, to have an opportunity as a mismatch there in the Frank Wright system. So I feel pretty confident that, that Conley Granson should have a really good year. I would, I would definitely put him in the, the top three, top five range for rookie tight ends in terms of yards and fantasy points if we're, we're looking at that. Um, and I don't think he'll come near Kyle Pitts, but I, you know, he's probably in that top three. 
and and I feel pretty confident about that one. Last one here, Stephen, talking about OTAs and the biggest takeaways. The other rookie on the offensive side of the ball I want to hit on really quick before we end today's show, who's kind of turning heads a little bit from what I've heard so far from guys like Zach and Kevin and others who've been covering the Colts up close the last couple weeks at Colts OTAs. And also Chris Boward in his post-draft meeting with the local media really gushed about him and how during rookie OTAs, rookie minicamp, his transition to the NFL wasn't as rough as they expected coming from a lower-tier school. And that's Mike Strawn, the wide receiver out of Charleston, Division II, West Virginia. Almost six foot five and a half, Stephen, six five and three, it's 226 pounds. When you see just how big he is in those types of numbers, you think if he's adds 10 more pounds, he could be a legit move tight end. But from what we've heard out of the, the Colts facility so far, Strawn's really turning heads where he's actually gotten some run with the twos throughout rookie mini or throughout, throughout Colts OTAs. And that's really intriguing to me because if Strawn is turning heads like that. He could be this year's Desmond Patman, Stephen, where the Colts really do love Desmond Patman's potential. They redshirted him and Jacob Easton on the roster last year, did not take the risk of putting on the practice squad because they knew they were probably, he was probably going to be claimed by some team at roster cutdowns or stolen off their practice squad. So Patman and Easton stay on their 53-man roster the whole season. I honestly think maybe Strawn's a new guy here for 2021 in that version. And if that's the case, if they do redshirt Strawn all of 2021, and don't want to take the risk of him being a guy who's poached off their practice squad, he could be a guy who takes that six wide receiver spot. I mean, the first four are locked in, maybe the first five, with Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, Pascal, and Patman. Then you have Ashton Doolin there as your special teams ace guy, so to say. But if, if they view like Patman could play special teams or if someone else on the defensive side of the ball or defensive back could take the rule Ashton Doolin played, maybe they feel more confident they could stash Ashton Doolin on the practice squad instead of Mike Strawn. And Strawn could be this year's version of Patman where – he could be that six wide receiver on the 53-man roster instead, and he could be in line to be sort of a redshirt year where it seems like from all indications he is turning heads at OTAs. Yeah, and he fits that that wide receiver profile that Chris Ballard has drafted, really, with, with Michael Pittman Jr. and Desmond Patman. And guys that Chris Ballard really likes is that tall, big wide receiver um, that can get vertical. And what you look at with Strawn is – he dominated in Division Two uh, out, of, out of Charleston. As he dominated, and then he went to the West Virginia Pro Day, and and he you know ran really well, and he was the show there at that that Pro Day. So then he comes in here um, to rookie minicamp and made a really good impression on the Colts, and he's getting some opportunities with you know with that um, Kevin Bowen said that you know, he's getting opportunities to run up the first unit with Michael Pittman being out. That's huge. Um, you know, the fact that he's only been there for a little bit um, and is still is getting some run with the first, first unit, um, even though, you know, you've got all these other players with only Michael Pittman being, I think, the only wide receiver that wasn't involved uh, in OTAs. It, it's really huge for him and he's again he's one of those like small school diamond in the rough division two players that really could come out and be a huge hit for the Colts and you've seen this before with with guys like you know Terrell Owens Randy Moss and Jerry Rice I know those are three you know basically hall of fame players um but they all came from really small schools but they dominated at that level they had the physical traits and then they came in and 
were, were able to translate what they did in Division Two into the NFL. And so far, that's what Michael Strawn's been able to do. So I'm excited for him to see if he can make that jump. I think that I think you're right. Is is he's likely going to be a guy that if they don't feel like he's going to be able to play in terms of actually playing in any games, then I could see him being a guy that they keep on the roster, similar to what they did with Desmond Patman last year, and seeing if maybe they can develop him, then give him an opportunity to win that one of those starting wide receiver roles next year after, you know, inevitably T.Y. Hilton moves on, um, you know, after, after this year, because it seems like this might be his last year here in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's going to be so intriguing to watch there. I know Pittman did play a little bit there at the end of OTAs from what I was able to gather, but he, I think he did sit out a little bit of time, I believe, if I'm not mistaken there. But with Strawn, obviously, he's someone that's going to be really intriguing, almost six foot six in that Desmond Patman kind of role. You have Patman, you have Pittman, you have Strawn, three just huge, massive, big bodies in their wide receiver room where it's going to be fun to see how those guys coalesce together over the next couple of years. But, Steven, thanks again for doing this on today's podcast. Really appreciate the time. Colts, as you know, already go ahead and follow Steven on Twitter at NiceReadSteve and go listen to his podcast as well over on Stampede Blue. Steven, appreciate the time tonight. Thanks, Evan. Have a great one. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.